0: Chapter 17. Goodbye, Glenn. Nathan Rhodes had left the previous evening for New York to meet his team of two, where they staked a claim in one of the luxury apartment towers in the Battery Park neighborhood. They were the most trusted assets of his, and true to their sense of professionalism, they had ditched their skateboarder-inspired wardrobe and shaved knowing that they couldn't be seen walking around in a doorman building, looking like they were homeless. Sean and Rich were their names, but since they were officially listed as dead, names didn't matter much. They also looked remarkably similar. Could have been brothers in another life. As long as Rhodes had known them and as tight as they were, he confused them continually. He ultimately opted to call them Thing One and Thing Two, then shortening the names to just One and Two. Rhodes wasn't much for multiple words when one would work just fine. Economy of motion was his mantra and extended to his conversational style as well. They were in the very building that Glenn Halvers maintained an apartment. They were one floor up and squatting in a vacant apartment. It was getting close to Christmas, and Halvers, who was unabashedly single, enjoyed the excitement of the city during the holidays, as well as an assortment of high-end hookers who were available during the silly season. Of course, Draper knew all about Halvers' proclivities or weaknesses, well, depending on how you looked at things, and with Beth's prodding, agreed Halvers' taste for high-end call girls would be the best way to avoid arousing suspicion and cut Glenn's holiday season short. Draper had bugged his house three months earlier after the Greenleaf fiasco and knew Halvers' patterns as well as his favorite escort services. Beth's plan, having Serena Green stand in for one of his dates, was as foolproof a plan as he could imagine and was happy for once he didn't have to come up with it himself. Draper thought of Beth and her new protege. If there were training wheels for wet work, this would be it. A great first step for Serena Green and a highly effective way to test her loyalty and keep Beth's hands clean for once. Holy shit, this guy likes to fuck, Thing One said. Are you something all right, Rhodes replied. Amazed the CEO of such a big company could be so stupid. He already knew what Beth's plan was. Serena had left an encrypted message in the ladies' bathroom at the airport with most of the details. He had Thing 1 and Thing 2 entered Halvers' apartment in an attempt to plant listening devices. However, after a cursory sweep, they found it had already been bugged. With a little tweaking, they found the frequency and piggybacked on the devices in what was now a party line hearing everything Beth and Serena were monitoring. It was shaping up to be the easiest surveillance gig they had had to date. So, she's just going to walk in there, inject his ass with potassium chloride, and walk away? Thing 1 asked. Yep, that's their plan, Rhodes replied. But we're not going to let that happen, are we? Thing 2 asked. No, we are not, Rhodes said matter-of-factly. Our Serena Green will be injecting our horny subject with a substance, all right, just not potassium chloride, ketamine. If it's strong enough for a horse, it should be strong enough for a stallion like our boy. Serena Green stood in front of a mirror, examining the form-fitting little black dress she had poured herself into. She hadn't seen herself in a dress in years, and she had to admit Stairmaster worked. Her ass looked great. However, she looked at her makeup and cringed. This is too much, she said to Beth, pointing at her lipstick. That's the whole idea. You're supposed to look like a hooker. I'm not sending you out to audition for a church play, Beth replied. Serena shrugged and plopped down on the hotel sofa, holding her breath so her seams wouldn't rip. So we just wait? How do we know he'll even make the call, Serena asked. Don't worry, he'll make the call. He can't go the evening without calling an escort service at least twice a night. You can practically set your watch by his libido, Beth said. Beth sat down in the chair opposite Serena and smoothed out her black yoga pants. You're not going to have a problem with this, are you? No second thoughts, Beth asked. I don't have to screw him, do I? Serena asked. Beth stroked Serena's lustrous black hair, looking into her electric blue eyes, capable of generating enough power to light up New York. No, you don't have to screw him. I mean, unless you want to, she said coyly. Ugh, oh, you're disgusting, Serena said, then pushed her away playfully. Beth suddenly went back to being Beth again, The moment of levity vanishing. Seriously, you're good, right? I'd be lying if I said I was comfortable with this, but I know what to do. I'll get it done, Serena said. Beth just nodded and stroked her hair again. Within ten minutes, they heard Halvers make the call. Beth quickly dialed the agency, masking her own caller ID with Halvers, letting them know that there had been a mistake and Mr. Halvers had changed his mind and didn't need company that evening. You're on, Beth said, helping Serena off the sofa and giving her a kiss. It took Serena a few minutes to hail a cab. A few cabbies had come close to stopping, but after seeing prostitute written all over, they just picked up speed and kept going. Religiously devout or just assholes, she thought, Finally, a cab stopped and she was able to sit and take her weight off her feet, which had been crammed into the latest version of hooker heels. How any woman could be in the mood to work after walking a block in them was beyond her. The cab made the two-mile trip to Battery Park in under ten minutes, owing to the fact downtown was fairly dead during the week, in spite of the robust holiday tourist turnout at the 9-11 memorial. She saw the memorial lights and instantly flashed back to where she was on that fateful day. A day which ultimately led to her official career change, her job within the Department of Agriculture, and her mission to pretend kill a corporate executive while wearing a very painful pair of high heels. She gave the apartment number to the doorman who waved her through like a turnstile. Obviously, not the first time he had seen a hooker traipse through the vestibule looking for Glenn Halvers. Halvers opened the door smelling of brown liquor and took a moment, mentally undressing her as she stood in the hall. Her blonde wig began to itch and a trickle of sweat ran down the back of her neck. She smiled back at him, shrugging her shoulders as if to say, ''What the fuck already? Let me in.'' Halvers led her toward the living room, attempting to make small talk while he poured a glass of wine for her. She took a sip and sat uncomfortably waiting for an opportunity to pull the ketamine syringe out of her purse and put Glenn Halvers into a nice deep sleep. He took a slow sip of scotch and made a grand gesture of putting it on a coaster, resting it on the coffee table. She had been so lulled by the gesture. She didn't see the back of his hand before his knuckles hit her cheek. Her head was driven into the back of the sofa. What the fuck, she screamed. He put his index finger to his lips, signaling for her to be quiet. Don't act surprised. You know what I like. Or at least you should. Your agency keeps track of stuff like that, and I did place a specific order, he said grinning. He unbuttoned his shirt, then stood up making a big production out of unzipping his pants. Serena sat speechless, face-stinging, and surprised at what a complete ass-clown he was. He put his own finger in his mouth suggestively, but almost bit it off when she drove the pointed toe of her right shoe squarely into his crotch. She slid over quickly as he doubled over, falling face down into the sofa grabbing his groin. She grabbed her purse and took out the syringe, injecting the horse tranquilizer in his ass, but not before delivering a vicious fist to the bridge of his nose. The crack of his cartilage snapping echoed off the walls. She picked up the phone slowly, surveying her work, then dialed 911. She conjured up a lump in her throat and did her best acting skills to convince the operator her date had just suffered a heart attack. She picked up her purse and gave him one last disdainful look as she rubbed her cheek and walked out the door. In the apartment below, Thing One looked at Rhodes and grinned. Holy shit, did she just kick his ass? I believe that's indeed what just transpired, Rhodes said, trying to hold back a smile. Now, let's make sure Halvers never sees the hospital. Thing 2 intercepted the 911 call from Serena as planned, sitting in the ambulance he had stolen a few hours prior, eating a protein bar and listening to music, burning a little time. He was a block away and didn't want to arouse any suspicion by arriving too soon. If anything, a medical response that was too prompt would stick out like a sore thumb. Ten minutes later, he pulled into the parking garage. Thing 1 emerged from the stairwell dressed in a matching paramedic uniform. They quickly grabbed the gurney and made their way into the lobby and up to the elevator, making sure everyone knew it was a Halvers emergency. The doorman let them into the apartment. Once inside, they found Halvers, and as loudly as they could, pretended to resuscitate him. So Beth and whoever else may have been listening was convinced that Glenn Halvers was indeed on the way out. I've got nothing! Thing 2 shouted, pretending to take Halvers' pulse. Starting CPR! They gave the doorman a show for the ages, as well as the other tenants who had begun to fill the hall. Thing 2 beat Halvers' chest with his fist, trying to make sure he didn't actually kill him by making it appear too real. Thing 1 squeezed the airbag attached to Glenn's face as Thing 2 pretended to listen for a heartbeat with his stethoscope. I'm losing him! Let's get him out of here! Thing Two said loudly. They waded through the shocked faces, rushing the gurney containing Glenn Halvers down the hall to the ambulance. Halvers apparently had no friends in the building, and no one followed him down to the garage to see him off in the ambulance. Thing One opened the door to the rear of the ambulance. Who is he? he asked, staring at the corpse of a male body laying on the floor of the ambulance. No clue, Two replied. Well, where'd you get him? one asked. Hospital morgue. They had quite a selection. He's not perfect, but he's close, Two said. One and Two made an unexpected stop under an overpass with no camera or video access and dumped Halvers in the trunk of Rhodes' rental car and transferred Halvers' ID and inscribed watch to the corpse before pulling into the non-emergency entrance of the hospital. They let the duty nurse know that they had a body to drop off, who with a nonchalant wave sent them back to the morgue. Thing two filled out the paperwork with Halvers' relevant information and pushed the gurney through the swinging doors of the morgue. The young attendant stopped picking at his face and pushed his glasses up from the tip of his nose when two walked in. He nodded in appreciation when receiving the envelope filled with cash and then nodded approvingly at the weight of it. I believe they have this one scheduled for cremation. Sooner than later, two said, pointing to a packet of paperwork conveniently forged. Thank you, sir. I'll get on it, the kid replied.